Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Remember the old diet advice, like, when the urge to eat strikes, just take a walk, or have a glass of water. Usually you're just thirsty, not hungry. If you're anything like me, these suggestions make you want to punch the magazine or the person who said it in the face. So many suggestions to just stop emotional eating are based in diet culture. They're based in the notion that you know what to do, just do it. And I'm here to tell you that Changing behavior is hard. We as humans are wired for comfort and disrupting a pattern of emotional eating is challenging. And at the same time, you absolutely can do it and you can learn to prefer it. However, to get started with disrupting this pattern, we need to feel understood. We need to then take small consistent actions in the direction of our goals. So we're going to leave these super patronizing suggestions at home and get some actual suggestions for simple, fun things to do when the urge to eat strikes when you know you are not hungry. So for some actual suggestions for this, I have a new free actionable guide. This is a one-page PDF you can pull up at any time with 23 things to do instead of eating, complete with links to videos, fun, inspiring songs, and many different ideas to disrupt the pattern and take a small step towards empowerment and towards that confident person that you deserve to be. So grab the guide absolutely free at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P forward slash guide to start ditching the shoulds and regaining confidence in yourself today. I know what I need to do. I just am not doing it. I just need to start implementing the things I know are good for me and then I'll be fine. This podcast is diving deeper into my personal story, my personal journey with being in the diet binge cycle for about 13 years and eventually, finally, permanently 
stopping the binge diet cycle and really reclaiming my life and working effectively towards things that actually help me versus what I think of now is really just staying on the surface, focusing on, you know, food and calories or even just healthy habits and lifestyle change. So many times I was, I really, if you knew me then, you would have no idea that I was struggling, most likely. You would, if you went out to eat with me, you would have no idea I ate pretty normally with other people and, you know, normally by myself a good portion of the time, but at least with some regularity, I was feeling completely out of control and it just put this huge black veil over my entire life. It was this thing that I could not solve. It felt desperate. It felt shameful for so many years. I felt like a complete hypocrite because I was getting my PhD in weight management and eating behavior, and I definitely was not able to solve my own problem. Now I see things very differently, and so this episode is really for you if you want to hear my story, but also to pay attention. At the end, I'm going to highlight the key themes that really helped me finally break free of this cycle for good. There, you know, there's a saying in the eating disorder world um, and also in the the weight management world that these are issues that you are going to struggle with your whole life to some extent. And I didn't want that to be the case. That wasn't very motivating for me, but I didn't know if it was possible to truly break free. And so um, I have not felt out of control with my eating since I looked it, I looked it up for this episode. It's been since 2014. So it's been a long time. Um, I feel very confident that it's not that I don't ever eat a large portion, right? But I never feel out of control. And so it's just this direct evidence that we have to, we're always going to, if you have an eating disorder, you're always going to have one. Or If you struggle with your weight in some way, you're always going to struggle. And I realized too that this is something that is a belief that we hold. It's actually pretty ingrained in most of the ways we think about struggle. Um, We set our expectations really low for the field of psychology. That's one of the reasons the field of positive psychology came out because they realized that we were very symptom focused. We were very diagnose and treat the problem, but we weren't really about helping people thrive, helping people flourish, build meaningful lives. And uh, I think you deserve more. I thought I deserved more, but I didn't know if it was possible, and it is. So this episode today is for you if you're feeling like I was, really out of control, ashamed of being in the binge diet cycle, or some form of emotional eating, frustrated with your weight, um, and you're ready to take action with things that'll actually help you disrupt the cycle and get to the root of what's going on because that is what is needed and it is 100% worth the effort. So let's dive in and get started. 
All right, so for today's episode, we're really diving deeper into my personal journey, my personal story than I have in the past. And I did this because I really wanted to, one of the things I love doing is diving in and understanding themes and patterns and what works and what doesn't work and helping you feel like you're actually doing things that are effective and worth your time versus wasting your time and energy um, on strategies that just are band-aid solutions. They're not actually going to serve you long-term. So if we have not met, I am Sean Hondorp. I'm a clinical psychologist. I have studied the psychology of eating behavior since 2008. So I was, um, and studied formally, I guess I studied it as an undergrad, actually pretty, pretty early on. So since I was about 19, I was studying these things, um, wanted to be a researcher, hence the focus on strategies and kind of themes, something I love doing. Um, so today in this episode, I'm going to tell you more of my story. I'm going to talk about some of the key things that have helped me and continue to help so many of my one-on-one clients stop binge eating permanently, or even if you don't identify with, I have another post that's about what's binge eating, what's emotional eating. There's a lot of overlap, but essentially we want you to stop feeling out of control with your eating and uh, just, yeah, feel like you are in control of how you're taking care of your body in a really empowered way. So I, uh, I've kind of been reflecting lately on this idea that our society and our culture and and definitely our medical training is very focused on kind of coping and a lot of surface level quick fix strategies. And um, I'm sure all of you can relate to that in any way that you've gone to kind of get treatment or help for something. And you're really going to get these like quick fix band-aid level strategies that, you know, have their time in place, but we're often not getting to the root of what's going on, whether it's a physical issue and we're jumping to surgery when we may not need to, or it's, uh, you know, some something related to our mental health. I think that that's an area where I've been realizing more and more that we're really focused on surface level strategies. And again, coping, getting through, having, let's say if you're having a recurrent panic attacks and you really want to just learn to calm yourself in the moment, you know, breathing is actually kind of a deep root strategy. Learning to breathe well is actually really effective. And I believe now that we should all be taught that from a very young age. I'm trying to teach my kids that myself now, and it's hard, but really, um, you know, also saying, okay, let's get you through these moments. Let's get you calming your body today. Let's get you, you know, feeling better today. But let's also take a look at what's going on with these recurrent panic attacks, right? And so often we say, here's some strategies. Here you go. And we send people on their way or people decide I'm good. I've got these strategies or you know, I take this medication, helps me feel better, or I drink alcohol, it makes me feel better temporarily, and maybe I can still go to work, so it's not a problem for me. And um, this, you know, this is really common in our society, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but I, I bet you're here because, like me, 
you're wanting to move past just coping, just getting by, and starting to really heal, really address root causes. Um, I recently, I haven't read this book, but I learned of a book called um, F Coping, Start Healing. And it's actually about healing from anxiety. Uh, but I love that title. I think at this point in my life especially, and, and probably always, I'm just really tired of quick fix surface level strategies. Um, I spent lots of lots of time, 13 years specifically with my binge eating and dieting cycle, just trying these surface level strategies that left me tired, frustrated. Because um, I would, during those 13 years, I had many periods of time where the medical field would call remission, like probably at least, I mean, there was probably a period of time, it was actually after I had lost some weight with Weight Watchers that I don't think I binged for maybe a year, well, probably a little bit during that period, but mostly felt pretty good um, for a long time, but it always came back, or maybe it'd be a couple months at a time, um, but it would always come back, I would, or I'd always feel a little bit out of control or a little bit anxious about maintaining it. And that's just not how I feel at all now. Um, I feel very confident that that is in my past. And so we want you getting to that same place where you're feeling like, yeah, I feel really, um, I hate the term stable, but I feel really secure in how I take care of my body. I feel really secure in where, how I respond to my body's needs, to my body's signals, regardless of, because for me, again, this is something that um, I was lucky enough to heal all of this before I had, I had two kids. I've talked about on the podcast, I had um, a miscarriage as well. There was a lot of changes going on with my body, a lot of things that were really challenging. And I think I, I was able to navigate that. I'm not saying I didn't have any body image stuff come up during those times, but it was never a, a problem. It was never really distressing. And, and so, um, it, again, this idea of like being feeling really secure in how you relate to your body is 100% possible. Well, we have to go deeper than what you're eating and how you're moving. And, and that, that's not part of it, but it's not it's, we have to understand that root cause. So in this blog post, if you're a visual person, I have a, the image of a tree that I always picture. And I, I, so I made it on Canva and, uh, at the root of the tree, we're all the gosh darn same. We have in, in our specific stories and our specific unhelpful beliefs are different, but, um, the root, the branches of the tree are the, are the symptoms. And we want to help you understand going to the root. So we want to be skipping the Band-Aid solutions. So, you know, we may be able to help someone who's abusing alcohol, stop drinking temporarily by putting them in a rehab center or removing all alcohol from their home and taking away their keys. But is that really going to lead to long-term change? Probably not, right? We need to understand the root cause of the drinking for this example to prevent it from happening again. So it's you know, incredibly normal to want the quick fix, the desire for it makes sense. We are wired to try to feel good now. Um, our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and seek comfort. And the problem is that so many of 
the things that cause us pain are self-inflicted thoughts like I'm weak or I am ashamed of how out of control I am or I for me it's I have strong emotions and I perceive that as weak or I'm quick to tears as a child and I perceive that as weak and as opposed to seeing it as a strength which I see it as now and so we you know when it comes to eating struggles we have these ways of temporary relief from pain like really could be lots of different things it could be eating a big bowl of Lucky Charms and watching Bridgerton on Netflix, right? That numbing out, it temporarily really does feel better. It doesn't feel better long-term most of the time, especially when we have so much shame tied up with eating, but it helps temporarily. Also, skipping a meal or going on our next diet or fitness effort can offer some temporary relief, some temporary hope. We'll um, feeling kind of in control or, you know, making, following some rules about your eating is it really is also part of the cycle. It's also avoidance of pain because it's something, I and mean, we've been told that that's the healthy thing to do, but it, for most of us, keeps us in the cycle and it just avoids the actual thing that may be bothering us. Um, there might, for most of us, there's, uh, some feeling of not enoughness or not feeling worthy enough that is underneath that that struggle and um, if you're anything like me you might hear me or hear other people sharing online and think oh that's really brave that's really courageous but there's no way I could ever do that um, and if so I've been where you are so back in 2009 I was deep deep in my binge eating disorder shame spiral um, really no one knew how much I was struggling um, and I really wanted to keep it that way I was gonna solve the problem myself I was gonna figure it out if it was the last thing I did and then you know maybe once I solved it then maybe I'd share my story I'd triumph over it and then I would share my story and how to do it and I guess in some ways that happened right but um, I started listening to podcasts in 2008. I was living in Philadelphia, going to grad school, and uh, podcasting was not as convenient. It was very new. I had to download the podcast from my desktop computer to iTunes and then transfer them over to my iPod, and it took forever. It was a very slow process, and half the time it would work, and I have to re-download it. But I would walk to and from campus every day. It was actually like a mile and a half walk. And um, a lot of times it'd be pretty warm, I remember. I'd, I'd walk in the cold too. But I just have one of my beloved podcasts. And most of the time, um, you know, despite it being kind of a cumbersome process, I knew I had this sense that there was something for me to gain from this woman's story. Um, her name was Renee Stevens. She had a podcast at that time called Inside Out Weight Loss. And uh, I knew I just had to keep listening. So... I had all the tools, right? So one of the things that, you know, I do think was a problem for me is I felt like a complete hypocrite. Um, I had access to all the evidence-based tools. I was leading groups for NIH-funded weight management trials, um, and we were doing really innovative work. I was reading and researching psychology and biology of eating behavior literally every day. That is what my lab did was working with some of the like completely top of the top leaders in the eating disorder and weight management fields. So 
With access to all these resources, though, you know, what helped me most during that time was listening to Renee Stevens' podcast, where she shared her story of having binge eating disorder, eating food out of the trash, and eventually achieving peace and freedom in her relationship with food. Her struggle really just made me feel a tiny bit less like a total hypocrite and a fraud because she was a successful person and she was struggling too, took away a little bit of my shame and just gave me so much hope. So I would say that's the first thing that I really started to question things. I wasn't seeing really clients or group members make this incredible transformation, achieving long-term change and peace in their relationship with food. I mean, it's hard because they would achieve short-term change, right? And they'd be excited about their weight loss or their progress, but, you know, it's hard because, you know, within six months, three to six months, or even a year, even two years, it's hard to know if that's a really lasting change. You really have to follow people for like two to five years. Um, sometimes when you talk to them, and, and now I would say when I work with people, I can tell if they're making progress just by talking to them. But again, then, especially because we were so focused on weight loss, it was really hard to know, is this going to last? And, you know, the research would suggest for most people it would not last. Um, yeah, very few would it, would keep those gains long term, if anything can be learned by my story or, you know, again, everyone else's story. So I started to think, you know, maybe this wasn't me or the clients or the research participants who were the problem, who were broken, um, maybe the system was. And that's really, really started to plant the seed. Because again, this idea that like, you're gonna, if you struggle with the eating disorder, or you struggle with your weight, you're gonna always struggle. But don't worry, you can learn to manage it, you can learn to kind of cope. And uh, it just makes me roll my eyes now. Because if you're like, no, I want more, I want more than just coping. I want more than just getting by um, related to this, but also with my life in general, then you're in the right place because you deserve more than just getting by. And so I, in this podcast, I would hear Renee say things that I had never heard before. Like there's a positive intention behind every behavior, meaning you're trying to get something good for yourself when you're eating. So like freedom from pain, boredom, comfort, whatever. She also had you ask yourself, how will eating this make me feel over time? And kind of extending that time horizon to a little farther. This is something I'd heard before, but the way she said it, it was perhaps just because she was saying it from a place of knowing. I was maybe able to hear it more, but I found that pretty helpful. And she would also just share, like, it is possible to feel relaxed around food and at peace with your body. And she would ask you how you wanted to feel in your body. So... You know, I'm going to talk in a moment about things about the podcast that weren't as helpful and actually kept me stuck in ways that, you know, Renee certainly never intended, but it, it didn't quite free me. But um, there was a lot of good. There was a lot of focus on how internally you want to feel, a lot of things that would increase that intrinsic motivation to take great care of your body. So there was a lot of um, positive there. And really at this point, 
uh, when I was listening to Renee's story, I was still in diet mentality in many ways. However, I started to, for the first time, achieve some feelings of success where I would make conscious choices to eat or not from this place of self-respect and self-care. And this is something that I really hadn't done much before. So I would like, you know, pass up the extra donuts left in the lab in the afternoon, not because I was worried about calories, but because I would kind of just know, like, I would feel really sluggish and unproductive over the next several hours. So kind of making like a more intuitive choice. Um, Not that always passing up donuts was the right choice, but for me, it became the right choice because I'm like, eh, it just, I don't feel good. And it became less about shaping my body. And so I started to feel just a little more empowered, a little hope that maybe I could heal myself for real, not just manage. And like I said, I was still binge eating. I was still struggling many times, but I started to chip away. And um, if I recall correctly, it's hard to remember frequency, but I think things started to get a little, again, just a little glimmer of hope. But something was really still keeping me stuck. And so I was making some improvements. I was feeling more empowered. But I was still binge eating and really still ashamed. And so without realizing it, I was still in this diet mentality and restrictive mindset, even though if you asked me at that time, I would tell you I was not. And this is really common. This is where the restrictive mindset, you know, sometimes can be obvious. But more often what I see is that this like subtle restrictive diet mentality mindset is is really sneaky and basically is keeping your binge eating cycle going without your awareness. Because if you talked to me at that time, I would have said, I definitely don't diet. Diets don't work. I'm just trying to eat to feel good in my body. In fact, a roommate and friend of mine at that time, she really didn't struggle with her body, but she and I would talk or like with her relationship with food, we would talk and we'd be like, we're just eating to feel good. Like that was like, we had a little mantra about it, eat to feel good plan or something. And for her, I think it was like an actual healthy way to think about it. And for me, it was like, it was a, an attempt at trying to think about it in a healthy way, but it was still this hidden shape your body, um, shrink your body hope that I had that was driving the, the behaviors. And so I would also tell you I don't restrict myself from food, and this is true. I didn't limit any foods I liked, um, but I was still in this restrictive mindset because it'd be sort of like, yeah, you can have that sometimes. Like, you can have that once a month or whatever, but it was still a restrictive mindset. And also, I would tell you I never skip meals, and this was also true. So you, again, if you knew me or ate with me during that time, you would probably have no idea, most likely. It would be pretty not obvious to you. So the things still keeping me stuck at that time, I was still very focused on weight loss. And this is really, without realizing it, I was just really hoping that eating this way would help me lose weight. And in hindsight, there was a few things about this Inside at Weight Loss podcast that were unhelpful to me. Um, first, it was just the name of the podcast itself, which kind of suggested like weight loss is important. It was still in your control. And if you do the right things, quote unquote, you will lose weight. Like if you have the right mindset, the most self-care based mindset, you'll lose weight. And uh, also the host, Renee, would use the term naturally slender to describe people 
we would want to aspire to be like. So, you know, those people we love to hate who seem to eat anything they want and are always slim. And so it was this idea that this podcast, and this was, this was a while ago, um, and this woman, I don't know, she was at that time probably maybe my, my parents' age, maybe. Um, and so she gave me a tremendous gift, but this podcast was not immune from this thinner is better idea that we're all, you know, the thin idea is the best idea. It's the healthiest. And so it, these inaccurate assumptions, like we should all strive to be quote unquote naturally slender. And if you do the work to take care of yourself, you will just become naturally thin. Like you'll naturally just achieve that thin weight. And it completely ignores the reality that bodies are meant to be different sizes and body diversity is a beautiful thing and not everyone like there's just many shapes and sizes that are the bodies that sizes that people are supposed to be when we eat intuitively and remain in tune with our bodies our bodies are going to remain a variety of shapes other than thin and slender and that is not bad it's not wrong it's just the way biology works so without realizing this, this podcast reinforced this idea that we're all taught. Thinner is better. It's the way to be healthier. And um, again, this mess, the podcast had so many great messages about listening to your body, trusting it, loving it, loving yourself. And these messages were drowned out. So since I kind of felt like, oh, I wasn't automatically becoming naturally slender based on the strategies, I still felt like I wasn't really fixed yet. Um, and the second thing that was really a problem for me is I was still very much alone in this journey. So the other thing that kept me stuck in my deep shame about my struggle um, in this is really just me continuing to try to solve it myself. Um, I waited way too long to seek therapy with the exception of a few sporadic counseling center visits. And I just never got to the root of the tree. Um, and again, that's that root of the tree where we all have different unhelpful beliefs about ourselves. We all have these things that we've learned throughout our lives. Often it is early in our life, early experiences. And just not learning to kind of accept and, and thrive as the person that we are in the world. Um, and this is something that um, I'll, I'll talk about in a moment at the end about some of my roots of the tree and some of the things that I've actually been able to discover about myself. Um, but yeah, if for so long, I wasn't getting to any of it. I just wasted my time and energy for so, so long. So, you know, eventually I found the book Intuitive Eating a few years later. This was after I graduated or completed my PhD and some Additional with some additional time and work, I finally ditched the diet mentality for good. This restrictive mindset, I finally let it go. Um, I finally stopped binge eating for good pretty soon after I read Intuitive Eating. Um, I, not immediately, but it, I think it took a couple months. I was actually um, running my first and only <laughs> marathon. I had done some several half marathons and I decided I was going to do the Chicago marathon before I moved back to Michigan. And, uh, for whatever reason, I decided it was a good idea to do Weight Watchers during marathon training. This was my final diet. And it was, I was just like 
pretty soon into the process, I was like, what on earth am I doing? And I stopped Weight Watchers. I finished the marathon training. Um, if I remember correctly, I definitely, I would say, gained a little weight during the training. Um, but I wasn't, I was not concerned about it. I was like, the marathon was quite hard and kind of injured my leg for a while, but it was fun. It was a fun, it was a fun day regardless. Um, and that's when I really kicked it to the curb for good and really started to say, wow, this is a much better way to live. I don't feel out of control. Um, and really from there, gradually was able to build up healthy habits, but in a very sustainable, flexible, low stress way. I feel incredibly peaceful around food, even throughout, like I said, pregnancies, kiddos, feeding kiddos, like a, there's a lot of potential stressors there. And I would say it's a very low point of stress for me. Um, so like I said, haven't had a binge episode for about two, since 2013, I think, or 13 is in the fall is when I ran the marathon. So it was somewhere right after there. Um, and I would say, I mean, I always hoped, I always really hoped I could achieve truly peace around food in my body. Um, but I'm so grateful that I did. So as I reflect on my journey and what was truly most helpful, it boils down to these four main things. So I want you to pay attention closely and think about how you can get these things for yourself. So first, um, it was hearing stories of others who shared my struggle and achieved what I wanted and truly what I wanted, not just like I manage, I get by. I, I lost weight temporarily, right? So hearing that Renee Stevens, a high achieving executive, felt completely out of control and hopeless with food and she came out on the other side, happy, vibrant, energetic soul and was courageous enough to share openly. She, this was a great starting point for me and really um, I'm so grateful to her. So obviously we have stories on this podcast. If the link in the show notes, we actually have links to all the stories we've had on the podcast. Um, listen, look for themes, see yourself in them. And remember that you may feel deeply alone as I did, but you are not alone. There's nothing wrong with you and you're not broken. And you absolutely can break free of this cycle too. You just have to find resources that actually help you address root causes. Um, and it can take time, it can take work, but it is 100% worth it. The second thing that was most important for me was really learning about intuitive eating, the impact of diet culture, and this hidden, sneaky, restrictive mindset. This was pivotal for me and really was the final difference that made the difference for me. So it finally let me cut that diet mentality cord. And without realizing it, the secretive, like almost invisible cord holding me down. So um, I really thought I was being healthy. I was just making lifestyle changes, but it was the sneaky judgment that was keeping my binge eating going because essentially my brain interpreted diet mentality as starving. So my deep limbic brain was like, uh-uh, we're not going to starve. Nope, you're not going to give me this again, so I'm going to eat as much as I can. So it's really a deep survival mechanism. It is not a willpower issue. And so learning to give that up for good and kind of teaching my body, hey, I'm going to I'm going to feed you. I'm going to I got you. We're good. We're working on the same team. Um it's it's 
the difference that made the difference for me and why I feel very confident I will never um, feel out of control with food again. Number three, this one's really important, is realizing it was never about the food. And, you know, you'll hear me on this podcast talk about, like, plant-based eating and and exercise sometimes or movements that and ways I've learned to move my body. Yes, those things have been great, but I healed my relationship with food before I did that. And if you ever want to go back to the conversation I have with Dr. Yami, she did hers more quickly. She moved away from diet mentality towards whole food plant-based eating sooner. You can, there's no like right way to do this. Um, but you just have to be really honest with yourself about, are you avoiding something? And is that why you're just doing a whole food plant-based diet and you really have this restrictive mindset or you're avoiding something, avoiding some pain that's really important. Um, it can be really hard to figure that out sometimes. So make sure you get support. That's number four, um, asking for help in the right places, but really it, it wasn't about the food. It's still not about the food. Yes. I work on eating more plants. <laughs> like I work on more whole food, plant-based eating. Um, but it's, it's never been about the food. That was not what that helped me to feel good in my body. And I intuitively knew that was a good choice for me and my family, but it just was not even close to about that. So for years, I was pretty convinced I was somewhat addicted to sugary foods like cereal, especially I love, I still love cereal, but I loved, I, cereal was a big binge food for me, um, and cake. But now I know my brain was just restricted. I didn't know. Um, I still like food. It's very tasty. I, still like ice cream, cake. I'm a pretty big sweets person. I like pizza. Um, I have it with my kids, zero guilt, but it just, it's just food. I don't live for it anymore. I don't think about it very much at all. (laughs) Um, and I'm just, I'm not a foodie, never have been, but it's, um, I, I mean, I used to think about it all day long pretty much. So it just doesn't hold that power over me. I'm not distracted now by the binge restrict cycle. Um, And now I focus on some of the actual root of the tree. So for me, it was understanding how I've had developed some unhelpful beliefs, like difficulty asking for what I need, setting boundaries, valuing myself. and, And part of that was learning why this became so hard for me in the first place. What are some messages that I interpreted pretty early in my life that helped develop those beliefs that I took forward with me into adulthood. So I'm really actually healing stuff I have control over. And, and I'm, I'm doing that all the time. Um, it gets easier and easier. It gets really empowering. You actually like, I actually want to sort of reflect and do these things now because I see the impact that it's had. And, and most recently, as I'm recording this, I've been taking a parenting class. It's been incredible. And it's really about self-awareness and self-discovery and sort of the experience of parenting as really a catalyst for more self-reflection and more learning um, because parenting can be a really good way, really good um, opportunity to do that because it brings up new stuff that you didn't realize um, you struggled with. So when you're 
not wasting your time and energy in the binge diet cycle. It's just, it's incredible for so many reasons, but getting to the root causes feels so effective. It feels so helpful. It feels like, yep, I'm on the right path. And so you kind of have not just intuitive eating, but you have this intuition about the general path of your life and what's actually helping you. Um, and then you're able to, I get better and better over the years at discerning and figuring out what's actually helping me and what isn't. And when it's not helping me, I cut it out sooner than I ever would have before. Okay. Final, final thing that uh, helped me is finally asking for help in the right places, sharing my story. So for me, this did mean eventually going to therapy regularly, working through some of the roots of the tree. You know, a lot of it for me was just understanding my strong emotions and understanding why I had a hard time um, expressing them, understanding how to do so more effectively, understanding some of the unhelpful ways that I thought about emotions, like thought about them as not important or not valid or weak. And, um, and yeah, I learned and I'm learning continually to value myself unconditionally. So meaning my worth is not tied up in what I do or who I care for, or what I achieve. Um, and this is actually, even with the podcast, like as all of you know, I took a break over the summer and that was a hard decision, but it was the best decision I've ever made. Um, and slowing down and knowing like, I'm, I'm enough regardless of what I produce <laughs> in terms of podcast episodes. And I love this podcast. It's so much fun, but, um, I needed a break and that was okay. So now I realize I couldn't do it alone and I realize now I was never meant to. So when I need support or help, I find a way to get it. And I will be honest with you, sometimes it takes a while to find the right help, but don't stop trying. So um, if you are interested um, in learning more about working with me, working with Inside the Body Respect program. We have new ways that we're supporting people. We're working on innovative strategies to support people all the time, and it's super fun. So make sure you sign up in the link in the show notes, or you go to drhondorp.com forward slash courses, and you'll find out, you'll be able to sign up for... Um, it's not really a wait list. You'll find out information right away with um, what we have going on, what options we have to join the community. If that's something you're interested in, we would love to have you. And um, I hope that I hope you take one of the steps um, and or all of them that I talked about today and know that it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but consistent actions um, build up over time. I believe that more than ever in my life. And um and we and you deserve to you deserve to feel good you deserve to feel good in your body and and in your mind so thank you for listening and have a wonderful day thank you for listening today and for showing up for yourself if you are ready to ditch the diet mentality build sustainable healthy habits take great care of your body and build a life you truly love then i have some great news for you the doors for the Body Respect program are now open for enrollment. This innovative program 
is unlike anything else out there. It will help you unlearn diet mentality BS, learn to truly work with your body instead of against it, and help you show up as the person you were meant to be. If you're ready to dive deeper and get the support you truly deserve, go to drhondorp.com forward slash course, or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and get more information about the program, current bonus offerings, and to join the community today. That's drhondorp.com forward slash course. It's time to stop dieting and start living. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.